Welcome to Prime Cohesion. Please join us as we move forward in this endeavor. We hope you join us for some banter and laughs as we touch on the real life topics that united us. Please be advised content can be mature in nature and disturbing to some. We're not always the experts, but we strive to do our part to bring awareness to subjects that matter to us and provide support when we can. Let me introduce your hosts, Jason, Smitty, and Tater. Actually, gonna let me read. She's, We're gonna have to. She's dangerous. It is dangerous. The guy from South I-20, you gonna give him a hot mic and tell him to read? Well, he's also the guy that's editing the sound, so. Oh, we're doomed. We're doomed. I'm illiterate. <laughs> With two yeah, eyes. Did you see the mullet? Yeah, that it's was fantastic. awesome. Fantastic. It is absolutely beautiful mullet. According to U.S. military, in the third quarter of 2021, we had 150 members of U.S. military committed suicide. So this is going to give you an idea of what we're about and who we're trying to help. Uh, the Pentagon data release was 163 committed suicide in the third quarter of 2021. which broke down 70 active men or active service members. Yeah, it's 22 a day, which is not good. So we got 476 so far through 2021 of the reporting for this data and then they showed 701 servicemen members committed suicide they didn't give a date for that but that's very interesting but the uh so in september in the same time frame the total number of deaths in the military during the coronavirus was 43 but we got 476 that have committed suicide yeah that number pales in comparison to the the number of suicides yeah the nickel center which is out of douglasville where the Guardians was created. So we have a group called the Guardians Group, which is dedicated to helping veterans and first responders. But the Nickel Center itself is a, it's a mental health and substance use recovery community, basically. have support groups that are led by volunteers like myself and many who are walking similar paths of mental and emotional healing. But the goal is to bridge the gap for those at their most vulnerable moments and serve to connect them with meaningful resources in the community, like the Guardians Group, that'll help them cultivate, you know, healing practices in their lives. But the Guardians Group was created to serve specifically veterans and first responders, not just people recovering from either drug or alcohol abuse or uh, other mental health issues. But we're just a group of individuals that have served or are currently serving the community as first responders. And we understand that in this capacity that they, you know, people, they see or hear things that basically shake you to your core, things that you don't want to expose your spouse or other family to, things you just, you got nobody to talk to about. And most of the people that see that kind of thing are, these people are what we consider, what I consider fixers. You know, we're the guys that usually want to help everybody else. Uh, we usually don't take time to fix ourselves. You know, we spend a majority of our time focused on others, ensuring they're okay, whether it be family, friends, somebody you just met for the first time, but really needs help right now. 
you just witnessed them go through some terrible trauma and you understand. We just, you know, we keep it all to our own issues deep down and never really let them out to help people talk about it. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that. I don't know if you can see this bottom paragraph here, but it says since 9-11, there's 30,177 reported suicide. Yeah, it's crazy. These numbers, are, and most of these guys, they commit suicide without ever telling a soul anything. Nobody even knew. Yeah, the report says we only lost 7,057 in combat, but 30,177 suicide. Yeah, I see some, they see some traumatic shit, and they don't, you know, a lot of times just talking about it, airing shit out, is really cathartic. It helps you, at least you know somebody else knows about it. Somebody knows about this horrible shit you just saw. And maybe you can figure out some way, either you can talk to somebody else who's dealing with it and how they've dealt with it, or you two can figure out how to deal with it together. But at least you're not in it alone. I think a lot of these guys and gals figure they're just, they're by themselves. They don't have anybody. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know, is anybody going to understand this? Is the guy going to think, the guy next to me going to think I'm a pussy for talking about it? Or what? But either way, they go to their grave not knowing that they could have just talked about it. And that might have been all it took. I think not just with vets, not to take away from veterans and, and what they do, but just in men general, adult men in, in general, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, have one of the highest suicide rates. And it's mostly because... We're all trained from a very early age to not talk about things. You don't have anybody to talk to that makes right. sense. Yeah. You're the one that's supposed <laughs> to help everybody else. You're the you're the provider. You're the you're the fixer. You're the one who fixes everybody else. Right. So when you go through when you take someone who's already built that way and then you put them through continuous traumatic experiences like being in Iraq or being in Afghanistan magnifies that problem and it makes it worse. Yeah, it definitely amplifies it. And they, and I'll, they don't know that they, I've talked to quite a few people already and some former veterans. You can see it in their eyes when you're, when you're talking to them, they're, they're there. And then all of a sudden they get off on a tangent and you're like, okay, he's not here anymore. He's, he's back there. You can see him talking, but he's not there. <laughs> right. And it's it's a little disconcerting. You're like, hey, man, hey, we're all here. You're trying to get him to calm down or, you know, hey, we're all right. Everything's all right. We're good. I also think just veterans in general, because um, like yourself, you're a vet. You were trained. You had structure. And a lot of people don't know how to coexist when they get out of the military and there's no programs or I'm not going to say there's no programs, but there's not a lot of help for them to reacclimate themselves to normal everyday civilian life where you're not being told what to do from sun up to sundown. Um, for instance, my sister, yes, <clears throat> she got out of the military. She had mental problems. She didn't have any help. There was nowhere to turn. And maybe if she had somebody, she wouldn't have walked out night in oncoming traffic in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? So stuff like yeah. that, people just need, you know, veterans need more support. And it's amazing to me that as a country, as a whole, that we don't do enough to help them. I mean, when she got out of the military, she needed meds, couldn't get meds. She needed somebody to talk to. There was no one to talk to. 
none of us understood what she went through. She didn't go to an active war zone. Um, but we, none of us understood, maybe my mom, my mom was in the military, but even her, she wouldn't talk to hers, you know? So, you know, just having somebody maybe counseling, maybe, a you know, when, when they get, when you're exiting the military, maybe you go through a counseling phase, you know, where you have somebody assigned to you to help you, maybe a former vet, maybe, you know, somebody who's trained for that sort of thing. Well, even if there's just something like they can direct you uh, some sort of a roadmap just to get you to support groups like the Guardians or whoever in your area, wherever you're at. Hey, this is an almost like an outreach. Hey, if you're having trouble, go here. This is these are the people you need to talk to or because a lot of them, they just don't know it even exists. They don't know groups like this exist that a group of like-minded individuals that, Hey, I'll, I'll listen to you. Talk to me. I'll listen to you. What do you need? Yeah. And most of us will give you the shirt off our back to make sure you're all right. You said the, uh, last week at Douglas County fire lost a fireman to a suicide to suicide because nobody knew. Yeah. I remember dad talking about that with the uh, medics way back in the day when he's still around in the, uh, uh, a lot, that really affected a lot of guys, especially if you're on the bus a lot. He, uh, he really wore on you. And I knew a neonatal nurse a long time ago, and that really drug her down. They would actually have to rotate them out. Yeah. Yeah, and according to uh, the National, National Institute of Mental Health, the leading cause of death among just people in general from uh, or the second leading cause among death for people in general is suicide from ages 10 all the way to age 34. That's crazy. That's a lot. That's a huge chunk of the population. Huge. Yeah. yeah. If you think about it, that's, that's that time in life when you're starting family and the stress of money, spouse, yeah. children, it just really comes to bear right, right in those later years there that you just talked about. And shit can go south real quick before they can get a grip on it. Well, you know, like, I mean, Lyle's the closest to it, but even I remember when me and Heather were first starting out and we first had kids. And I mean, we were struggling those days going to the grocery store and going, nope, don't get that. Don't get that. You know, getting the bare necessities and barely making it and scraping by. And we were the lucky ones. There's yeah. those that they, they didn't, they're not making it. They ain't making it paycheck to paycheck. The kids, some of these kids, the only food they get is at school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's for sure. I remember my lunch ticket. Yeah. I was glad to have it. Yeah, right now, that's what Heather, we were just talking about that, that uh, I hate to get off the subject, but the right now, because of the pandemic, all school lunches and breakfasts are free for everybody. They're not charging. Yeah, that's across the entire, I think that's across the entire state. I think it is. And can you, I just... We, we were talking about it and we're like, could you imagine how much that would have freed up of our cash if not having to worry about breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the kids for a week? I was like, yeah. that's, a, that's a huge relief. Yeah, because right now my kids, if they wanted to, they can go to school, they can eat breakfast, and they can eat lunch for free. And yep. then all I, all I have to worry about is dinner. Not that I couldn't, you know, do those things for them. I'm in a good place now, but... You know, like yeah. when we when we first had them, I mean, you're paying, you know, I think I was paying three hundred dollars. You're trying to pay three hundred dollars a week for daycare so you can keep a job. 
I mean, crazy. You know. That's for one kid. Yeah. I know I got a buddy of mine. I've said this before. His wife was a nurse. He worked, he's a, uh, like a building manager, but mm-hmm. she was a nurse and they had two kids and it was cheaper for her to quit her job and stay home with the kids than it was for them to put those kids in daycare. And she was a nurse, a registered nurse salary you're throwing away because you can't afford to put the kids in daycare. The worst part of it is, you know, working folks like us, you end up when you're not working because of that situation, you're not contributing to your retirement. You're now, now you're hung up trying to rely on just social security only at the end of the tenure. Yeah. You're, you're really yeah. hosing yourself twice because of it. Yeah. That's and what, then the whole whether you agree or disagree with the the mask and the mask policies, that's another thing that factors in. These kids don't understand why they have to wear a mask. They also are not mentally grown enough or developed enough to be able to look at somebody without facial expressions, without seeing their face. My son in particular has struggled because part of cognitive learning is being able to look at somebody's expressions. So it set them way back. Yeah. That's went, a, I don't think a lot of people are even thinking about that. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge point. Cause I don't, I don't really think about it. You, you know, after, you know, I'm almost 50. So I've had a lifetime of staring at people and understanding them by seeing their eyes, but children don't have that. Children, they ain't got a clue. They understand facial expressions unless they see the whole face. Yeah, if you don't, as a small child, when you're teaching them to speak, you you probably did it and didn't realize it, but you're actually using your mouth and exaggerating it to help them pronunciate and learn how to speak. You don't think about it. I mean, maybe my wife used to make fun of me, right? Because when I'd feed my kids, you know, when they first started. Mouth would move? Yeah, you're opening your mouth to show them, hey, open your mouth so I can stick this spoon of slop (laughs) in your mouth. My wife used to do that. I gave her all kinds of shit about that because it looked like she was feeding herself, but the spoon was going the other way. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't think about doing it, but you're doing it. And, and just that sort of thing. And that, from, from what I understand, the, these numbers are from 2019. So these numbers have actually gone up, especially amongst uh, children um, ages 10 to 18. So that, that's pretty wild. And, and not just not just veterans, again, not to take away from, from, from veterans, because I think it's a huge disservice that we do to our, our military. We just kick them to the curb once they get out. It's like, hey, they're almost in prison in a way when they're in the military to an extent. I mean, obviously right. you're not, you're not locked away, but no, you're, I get you're, it. Yeah. you're tied, you're tied up. You're, you know, this is what you're doing. When they get out, we kick them to the curb. It's the same thing with the prison system. Obviously those people, you know, they did bad things and or whatever to get locked up, but we have nothing that react. We inst- institutionalize people in the prison system and then we send them back out to the world and just say, hey, go figure it out. Well, all they know now from the time they committed the crime to the time they got sentenced to the time they ended up in prison, now they have a doctorate in crime. Yeah, that's all they've talked to yeah. for however many years as criminal. You know, some of them do get, I do believe some of them legitimately get rehabilitated, like either that or they committed it they really didn't want to do. But either way, I think a lot of them that come out of the system are like, I really do want this to work. But they got nine strikes against them when they get out. It's hard yeah. to reacclimate. 
Yeah, for in, all right. For instance, I have, there's a young lady that works with us, but she's she's my age. But anyways, um, she did uh, seven years, and she got out, and she's trying to reacclimate herself, but she doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in any situation, right? So no, obviously no convict, uh, whether it's amongst police, amongst someone going trying to get a job, going to the bank, trying to open up a bank account, you don't get the benefit of the doubt for any of that stuff. And, you know, we just have no, no reacclimation programs for those people. And it's just, it's kind of sad that we just throw people in prison and then kick them to the curb when they get out. Same thing with the veterans. We recruit these people. You recruit young minds, which is all, all well and good. We obviously need a military, but when they get out of the military, there needs to be something that helps them when they get out. Yeah. When the, and the VA was supposed to be that. The problem is the VA is just so overpopulated and underfunded. And on the medical side of it, I wish that the government would just say for medical, regular medical stuff, maybe not full on mental health issues, but regular medical stuff for the disabled veterans, they should be able to go to whatever doctor's local and the government picks up a tab, whatever it is. Go to your local doctor, go to your local whatever. You pick one, the government will pick up the tab. So you don't have to go, 90% of them spend all their time trying to deal with the VA to get help. And why can't the government just pick up the tab for, you're talking about picking up the tab for all these people that had volunteered to go to college and said, I'll pay these bills and you're going to recruit, you're going to forgive uh, all this college debt. Well, why not pick up the tab for these veterans at whatever hospital, uh, doctor agree. they need to go to. I agree. Veterans should be able to pick and choose where they want to go see a doctor and the government should be able to pick it up, you know, similar to a Medicare kind of plan. Yeah. Um, it's already, the system's there. I mean, you got Medicare and Medicaid. Anyone that takes those services, they already have a pay service available to do this. All they have to do is put it on a sheet of paper and sign it. It's done. Yeah. This is, that's something the previous president tried to do and he, uh, it never got talked about. Did he really? I never heard about that. Yeah, he did a lot of things by executive order that were easily undone. Oh, okay. He had no backing in Congress or, or the Senate, so the majority, other than the tax bill that he passed, everything else was done by executive order within you know his parameters that he could use, and that was something that he did or tried to do, and I don't know how far it got, but it was all undone with the new uh, administration um, and we're just, they've taken us, I don't know, 20, 30 years back. Yeah, there's a lot of, I fucking hate politics. I fucking hate it. I hate, I hate it too. Um, uh, I, I think everything now has become too political. Everything is politicized. All of it. It's horrible. Yeah. It's just, it pisses me off because, fuck, I get pissed off at both sides most days. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they all they all pull the same the same stunts. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about about the bottom dollar. That's yeah, what yeah. it all boils down to is money. Yeah. Yeah. If, if if you go and look like at some of the major bills that get passed and things like that, when they're trying to convince someone to to vote for it, who's on the other side, whoever has the majority or whatever, look at what gets added late or what gets thrown in that you don't see. That yeah. Most people don't look at, and that's that. That's where they got the votes from. Well, it's also why a lot of people don't understand why somebody rejects a bill. 
And they're like, why would you reject a bill to save all babies? And it's like, because the bill also had in there to shoot all fucking puppies. What the yeah. hell? I don't understand. You know, people don't see everything that gets tacked on to a bill. And then they go, why would you reject that bill? Because I read the whole thing. And yeah. if we passed it, and, and it's a lot of times, unfortunately, I feel that it's done maliciously by either side. It's absolutely. like, oh, they don't want that to pass. I'm going to tack this onto it. That way, if it passes, at least we'll get this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but going back to, like I said, going back to your original point and, and the Nickel Center, um, it's a great thing that they're doing out there. Uh, I wish we had more outreach programs and more places like that for veterans because we have a lot of them in our state as well as throughout the country. Yes, Smitty, yeah. how does, uh, tell everyone how to get in contact with the Nickel Center here. Go to thenickelcenter.org and they also have, you can search them on Facebook as well. You can get to them on Facebook. Just search uh, the Nickel Center on Facebook and you can get to them. Is this the only location that they have or do they have multiple? This is the only location. Is in Douglasville for the Nickel Center. Well, you're looking at that, Smitty. Uh, you was telling me the other day how that center was formed, and that was a very interesting story. The Nickel Center, a uh, lady by the name of Susie Nichols, her son, I believe, uh, was a victim of drug abuse, and he, I think, I believe he eventually, I think he overdosed. But she, um, she started the Nickel Center as families of recovery for uh, for that particular reason, because she's had a family of that kind of, those kind of issues. But her, so it's actually Susie, the Susie Nichols started the center. So she's got on the nickelcenter.org. She has it. One of the hardest things to do is watch someone you love fall deeper into their suffering. Uh, substance use disorder could devastate a family of four generations. I felt the pain of my mother-in-law. This is terror right in this. My mother-in-law carried 10 years to the day. Her youngest son died as a result of an accidental overdose due to a routine traffic stop. Swallowing a bag of crystal meth led to days in the hospital, compounded by medical malpractice, and then the family lost him. And the legal system deemed his case no quality of life. So 25-year-old son, father-to-be, just gone in a moment. So 10 years, his name was Kirk Nichols. So 10 years after his death, they founded the Nichols Center with a promise to stand by families like that. And the hope is that no family would have to suffer without support, comfort, or guidance. By learning to help families like ours, we are learning to heal the brokenness we feel. So the Nichols Center is now also attached to what's called the accountability courts in Douglas County. So they're attached to the court system. And they're recognized by the court system as a type of rehabilitation, basically. They get information to help them go through these kind of traumas. They provide peer connections and support for families in the Douglas County area, uh, facing mental illness, trauma, substance abuse disorders, loss or crisis, uh, trauma-informed therapies, and a safe space for families to find treatment and healing on a journey of wellness and recovery. They provide education and training for families in transition and develop the tools and skills they need to successfully walk a journey of wellness and recovery. And they provide awareness and support for families to navigate their journey and advocate for themselves and their care and a safety plan. And they provide community programs to help connect families in wellness and recovery and build that kind of a network. So they do a lot. They've got a lot of programs like the Guardians Project Connection. So if anybody's like, basically, if you're in the Guardians group, 
and we recognize that you may be in need of help above our pay grade, then there's there's connections there that she can get you further treatment or to get you the help you need if we can't get you there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. God bless America, as they say. Yeah, we're trying. One person yeah. at a time, I guess. Help or donate or anything like that for veteran assistance. So you have the Nichols Center. Obviously, you can volunteer. You can uh, you can look into that if that's something you're interested in. Out of Douglasville, other stuff. There's one that I used to donate to. It's called Lift for the 22, right? So it was a program that provided gym memberships as an outlet for veterans, and that was something I donated to for several years, and uh, since uh, started donating to other programs, but. That's a good one. There's a lot of outreach programs out there. I just think people just don't quite know or understand why. The why is kind of there. A lot of people don't understand what veterans go through, you know, military members and all that stuff. I mean, from the from the onset of signing on the dotted line, you are put through hell. I mean, basic training is not for the faint of heart. From my understanding, I've never been through it, you know, any kind of experience like that. So, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot of outreach programs. This is a good one. Um, so if anybody in the state of Georgia or near the Douglasville, Alabama, you know, state line, it's not that far, I don't think. I think that's 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 a great program to be a part of. Yeah, the lift, uh, the lift for 22. Yeah, they're also a uh, they're a 5013C nonprofit, just like. That's the Nickel Center is a nonprofit as well. They basically yeah. everything they get is through donations, and they have a plant shop inside the inside the center where you can buy plants and stuff. But all that, everything inside basically just goes to the center. It's all basically donations because they don't. It's nonprofit. Everything's nonprofit. Yeah, we're gonna try and get something going about midsummer here. See if we can get a good deal going. Get these lawyers behind us. We can raise some funds for the Nickel Center and uh, some of our partners here with the program. Yeah, there's a lot of it. And it's real easy to do a search. I think a lot of people just don't, they don't even know it exists. I think that's the biggest issue because you do a quick Google search, you can find 100 organizations now sifting through those hundreds of organizations to figure out which one suits you. But I think the best thing to do is do a search, do a Google search in your area for veterans help or first responder help or whatever and you'll probably land on something i gotta believe thank you for joining us if you have any questions or comments about the program we can be reached at primecohesion at gmail.com you can find the nichols center at www.nicholscenter.org backslash guardians project or 404-736-2267.